Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, okay, I know they say this a lot, but it is a long-awaited episode because we have Bremner Morris, my dear friend, and the CEO at Rally, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, pretty interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Bremner, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, and nice to meet you. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Nice to meet you as well. Are you ready to dive in? Totally. All right, let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Bets Connect, a recruiting platform unlike any other. Whether you're looking to hire the best go-to-market talent or looking for your next opportunity, Bets can help. Bets has spent more than a decade building relationships with the world's most innovative companies and professionals. And for the first time ever, you can access this network with Bets Connect. As the only go-to-market recruiting platform built by recruiters and powered by recruiters, Connect enables you to search through a network of vetted go-to-market professionals actively looking for their next opportunity and make better hires faster. In addition, Bets Connect clients the ROI within 90 days. Plus, if you're looking for your next big opportunity, you can join the Bets Network and get connected with the world's most innovative companies that are looking to hire go-to-market professionals like you. Learn more about hiring top talent or finding your next role at BetsRecruiting.com slash non-technical. Some quick professional context on Bremner for our listeners. An industry thought leader and innovator in the creator economy space, Bremner Morris is CEO of Rally, where he's responsible for driving the awareness and adoption of Rally in the creator, fan, and crypto communities. Previously, he served as the community-appointed CMO-CRO for the RLY project overseeing all go-to-market initiatives. Prior to joining Rally, Bremner worked for Patreon for three and a half years, where he oversaw the development of Patreon's go-to-market organization. Bremner was the initial GTM hire within the business and served as the head of go-to-market and revenue at Patreon. During his time there, he built out a team of 45 people across creator partnerships, marketing, and creator success, and drove significant creator adoption and monetization on Patreon's platform. Additionally, Bremner directly oversaw Patreon's international expansion and built out the go-to-market team in Berlin and London. Prior to working at Patreon, Bremner led BizDev, channel partnerships, and customer success at AppDirect, an enterprise SaaS marketplace. Bremner started his career in investment banking and studied financial economics and government at Claremont McKenna. Bremner Morris, welcome to the pod! Thanks for having me. That was way too long of a bio. We need to change that up. How did it feel? Very overwhelming. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. I like to immediately overwhelm my guests. That's perfect. Totally. It was so fun reading your bio, especially the part about Patreon, because of course, you and I know each other because you hired me into Patreon and I worked for you for a long time and we sat next to each other for a long time. Sincerely, Alexis, working with you and then becoming friends through our time at Patreon was one of the biggest highlights of working at Patreon. Oh my gosh. And being desk mates, I'm sure, was not the most delightful experience for you. I don't keep the cleanest desk, that's for sure. That's true. There was always a real empty LaCroix can graveyard at the end of every day. (laughs) I know. Actually, the remote work has been a big challenge for me in that I don't have a never-ending supply of LaCroix. I was literally going to ask you how you're surviving. Are you getting shipments to your house? Two things. One, I got really into Topo Chico versus LaCroix. Fantastic. I think that's much better. And secondly, there is now a Topo Chico shortage in the world. (gasps) Because of you? (laughs) In part because of me. But no, this was news to me that there's a Topo Chico shortage. It's been quite the difficult few weeks for me. 
I'm really, really sorry to hear that you're going through that struggle. <laughs> I, know, I hope you brutal. come out of it okay. <laughs> we'll make it out. We'll make it out okay. Yeah. Something that I looked up today was the first email we ever exchanged was January 26th, 2018. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that was an initial introduction, um, I believe, from Ali Abramovitz. Absolutely. Ali Abramovitz, whose company Chorus Meditation has sponsored non-technical in the past. So oh, we're wow. keeping it in That's the family. Awesome. I know. Oh, it's so cool. I'm so happy about that. I remember uh, some of our first meetings, a lot of coffee walks talking about Patreon and also the future of your career. And so I'm so oh, excited yes. that we're now on the creator side of Isn't that the house. funny? That we're both sort of in these related but very different divergent paths for you and I. I think if you were to ask in 2018, neither of us would have thought we would be where we're at right now. And then even a year ago, there was no expectation that either of us would be in no, no. the places that we're at. So. so many surprises. You are legitimately still one of the best managers I've ever had in my entire life. Everything you said, the feeling is mutual. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being complimented, but thank you. That really means I know that you don't. It, it was never stopped me before. I don't know why it would start now. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so Bremner, tell me this. How did you spend your last day off? My last day off was about two weeks ago. I decided to take a Wednesday off, and I had a couple Ooh. friends who were visiting me, and we decided to ride to Ojai for lunch. How long was that ride? It was about 90 miles. Each way? No. No. Altogether. No. Yeah, 90 miles altogether. So oh 45 God. miles out to lunch and then 45 miles back. Yeah, it ended at the beer garden in Santa Barbara and then a four-mile ride home from there and uh, and then passed out. So that was my day yeah, off. Yeah, seriously. That's a pretty active day off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. The days off for me are not about relaxing or reading. It's more about some other type of uh, physical exhaustion. I always feel pressure to maximize either my productivity or relaxation on days off. Right. hundred percent. And also doing the two at the same time just never works out. No, that's never relaxing to me. You just got to commit to either having it be like a massively productive day or that you're just not doing anything. I sometimes even struggle in making that decision. If I have a day off for the first, like, even for the first, like, hour or so, I'm sometimes like, eh, I don't, eh, I should probably, you know, I could really catch up on my inbox. That would be a great use of this day. And then I'd be like, or I could maybe go get a massage. I could go on a walk. I could read. And then I hem and haw about that for an eternity before making a decision. Right. I'm curious, now that you're in more of a creator world, you still structure your week in a you know traditional work week? I love being self-employed from a designing my own schedule standpoint, because sometimes I get very excited about something at 10.30 p.m. And I can stay up until whatever time working on that idea, right. because I usually don't have an early, early meeting the next day. 100%. Oh, that's so exciting. I know. Look at me. This podcast, I actually invited you on so that we could talk about how amazing I am. So we're doing a great job so far. Perfect. Bremner's like, oh, thank God. I thought it was going to be about me. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want it to be about me. <laughs> let's, let's dive in. Okay, so Alexis Gay, take me back yeah, to the exactly. Well, I would love to ask you questions about me, but famously, Bremner Morris, have you ever watched anything I've ever done? No, I hate to admit it, but... Live, you've seen a video or two, right? I've seen a, a video or oh, two. I God. saw some of the, the massively viral ones recently. Right. Also, great. because people would send it to me and they're like, oh, you know Alexis? And I'm like, yeah, totally. <laughs> 
The other day, somebody emailed me about your clubhouse fame. Uh, I am famously not a massive user of clubhouse, but I was chatting with somebody and your name came up and they're like, oh, Alexis is famous on a clubhouse. It was a nice like, oh, I knew them when they became clubhouse famous. That's hysterical. I love that. So, Bremner, have you ever been known as the something person? For example, the math girl in high school, you know, or in college or at a job? I would say that my MO is getting over my skis. My family calls it my cinchy complex, where everything initially presents itself as cinchy, and then you get down a ski run and you're on a cliff and it's no longer cinchy. What is the word that you're saying? Cinchy's like, oh, that's cinchy. That's super easy. Oh, like a cinch. Like, no yeah, it's problem. a cinch. Yeah, it's a cinch. That's cinchy. I adore that. How do you spell it? C-I-N-C-H-Y. So it is like a cinch. Yeah. Is that a skiing term or is that a life term? It's a life term, I think. (laughs) It all started when I was, I think, five, riding through Golden Gate Park. And my my parents were guiding me along the way on my bike. And it was like one of the first times that I'd ridden without training wheels. They were like, okay, Brem, be careful. I'm like, it's cinchy. I got this. Ah, at five? (laughs) At five. And I end up turning down one of the hills that leads onto Fulton and crashing through a barrier into oncoming traffic. Oh my God, it was not cinchy. No, that was the initiation of the cinchy. And then many years down the road, translated into another cinchy moment where I was tossing a football around the office when I worked in investment banking and ended up knocking a sprinkler head off of its track and flooding the entire office. I cannot believe that happened to a human person in real life. It was gnarly. And everyone had to evacuate, right? That was like a big deal. Everybody had to evacuate. It flooded the 11th floor of the most iconic building in San Francisco. And then we're all standing around moving computers out of this like pouring deluge of water. The water level starts going down and we realize it's all going down to the 10th floor. So we flooded oh the 10th God. floor Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, Bremner. <laughs> yes. Were you known as the football guy after that or the, the, the flood guy, sprinkler guy? The head of investment banking would always introduce me as the only analyst that ever made him money because they had insurance on the building. (laughs) That's really funny. We would go into meetings with clients and I'm this measly analyst and he would sort of interrupt the meeting and be like, oh, by the way, I forgot to introduce Bremner Morris, the only analyst that ever made me money. And then he would tell this whole story Uh, and it was an opportunity to uh, endear me to the clients or endear the company to the clients. Truly. I bet it worked. I bet that was really effective. (laughs) It sounds like it. So I don't know, cinchy guy or football guy or whatever. So is cinchy a word you made up? No, I think it's a, I think it's a common word. Is it a Bay Area word? word? (laughs) Maybe. I always thought it was like a widely known word. But maybe it was my parents. Maybe they are pioneers of cinchy. Oh my God. Maybe it was OG Morris. I would like to start using this, I think. Great. Perfect. What I like about what you said is that it's not just that you think things are cinchy, but it's the getting ahead of your skis vibe. hundred percent. Yeah. Things don't come easy. It's not that it is easy. It's that it's the perception of easy. And then you get into a moment where you're like, Oh, I really screwed this up. (laughs) Or I really put myself in quite the corner here. Sometimes, however, what I know about you is that after that moment usually comes the making it happen moment. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about getting over your skis is that you have to get your skis back underneath you or else you're just going to go tumbling down the mountain. So it has worked out in the end, but there are moments of just pure terror that present themselves. Absolutely. 
The only other one that I could think of for you was, I feel like you have a really strong brand association with Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. (laughs) That is quite the honor. I grew up in London and I moved from San Francisco when I was six. And I had this really deep desire to continue to be American when I was living (laughs) in the UK. But I had no clue how to be American because I, you know, I was six. I didn't know what it meant to be an American. And the one show that was playing that was sort of an American ode was Saved by the Bell. And then we shared the same last name. So I was like, okay, I got to be like Zach Morris because that's what it means to be. Yes, to be American. American. When we moved back to the U.S., I really wanted like one of those lockers that you, you know, have in the locker hallway and (laughs) that never materialized. I always went to schools that never had the locker hallway. You never, ever had a locker? It was in a corner, not in the hallway. And Mm. that was only at the very end of my high school career. Man, that's devastating. Would you ever put a locker in your home? (laughs) Actually, that's a really good call. Because (laughs) you bike a lot and you run a lot. Do you have a garage? I have a garage. I could put a locker in there. Yeah. You could put a locker hallway in your garage. Get Maddie a locker. And we could decorate it for each other all the time. Decorate. That would be so (laughs) cute. Like an anniversary decoration or like a date night decoration. Yes, little surprises in the locker. I actually think this is a really sweet thought that you should consider. Before we publish this podcast, I gotta get this up and running. So it's a surprise. I hope that you can do this quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. I think this is a really great idea. And then you could live out your dream. Perfect. We're all about making dreams come true here at (laughs) Non-Technical. That's what this podcast is all about, making dreams come true. That's right. Okay, go with me on this. If you were kidnapped, but you had the chance to communicate with your family and friends and needed to secretly let them know something was wrong, what sentence or phrase would you say to let them know that something was off? To let them know that something was off. That's such a good question. I'd probably say... Yeah, I'm just relaxing, taking it easy, reading a book. <laughs> I started doing a puzzle. If I said I was doing a puzzle, Maddie would know something is 100% really immediately. Wrong. Oh, we should probably say Maddie's your wife. <laughs> yeah, Maddie's my wife. Maddie would know that if I was doing a puzzle, that something is you know terribly a wrong. Miss. Okay. My parents would know that if it wasn't about some type of action or activity. Yeah. Actually, you know what it might be is like, yeah, I've mm. been spending a lot of time alone recently. Oh. And they'd be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But said in a way where you felt happy and fulfilled by it. Yeah, I've been spending exactly. a lot of time alone recently. It's been really nice. Yeah, I've been able to entertain myself. <laughs> I've been enjoying the experience of being alone with my own thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. People would know, okay, something is up. I I think I would go with that. I've been really enjoying some time alone in my own head. (laughs) Wow. That's a great one. Yeah. I think I would know. (laughs) Well, I think I would just be like, really? (laughs) You've changed. Yeah. Are you okay? (laughs) I think that mine is what time is the big game? (laughs) (laughs) I think that, yes. I don't know if it was like a kidnapping or I'd be like, did you fall and hit your head? So Bremner, is there a fad that could be fashion, cultural, workout, whatever, that you look back on participating in that now makes you a little cringy? Well, right now I'm participating in wearing Birkenstocks solely. (laughs) I'm cringing in the moment. Okay. Currently, you're wearing Birkenstocks today, right now? Wearing Birkenstocks and they're the closed toe Birkenstocks. No, Brad. And, you know, I don't know if it's a fad, but it's more of just like a, a phase of life that I'm in. I think it is acceptable and socially acceptable yeah. to wear Birkenstocks at all times, but. Can I ask you some questions about this? Please. When yes. did you purchase the Birkenstocks that you're describing? 
they were a birthday gift from Maddie to me. Was she already on the team Birkenstock? No, she was on the, I know Brem wants these Birkenstocks. I don't know if I approve of said trend, but it is going to be a fantastic gift because it's something I don't want to give, but I'm giving because it will mean a lot to this person. <laughs> that's true love. Good yes. job on you for marrying Maddie, honestly, because that's really sweet. I think she now regrets having given me these Birkenstocks because <laughs> they are... I mean, I haven't worn a normal shoe in months. And you were saying old Bremner would not have approved. No, no. I used to be more obsessed with sneaker style. Really? When? This was like growing up, I was really into various different types of Adidas. And I think it was also part of that phase of trying to be not from the UK. And so mm -hmm. I was trying to find things that demonstrated that. And so yeah. certain types of sneakers demonstrated that. But old Bremner would definitely not love the Birkenstock phase. When did that change? That changed at the pandemic. Really? That was it? That was what did it? Yeah, I'm not going into the office anymore. I can kind of wear what I want to wear. No one sees your feet. Nobody sees your feet. Yeah, I can present on a, a Zoom in a certain way. I would way. never know. I also, another trend that I'm currently um, fully in on that I think old Bremner would cringe at and current Bremner is slightly cringing at is my mustache phase. Well, I think that we're collectively cringing Bremner, but you seem <laughs> yeah. to be doing this, knowing the situation. Oh yeah. I mean, now that I, there've been a lot of pictures on some of these articles and stuff like that. And I've decided that I'm going full mustache. We're getting headshots with the mustache and we're using those headshots. The professional photo provided to me had a mustache and I thought I a vibe. Yeah. You knew me when I tried a mustache and I recall. it failed multiple times and yes. also ridiculed at the office many times, both in front of my face and behind my back. Yeah. Mostly right to your face. I never talked yeah. with anybody about it behind your back, but to your face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I think the difference is now, Bremner, is that you're being presented to the world as guy with mustache. And I feel that that is totally different than starting to grow a mustache amongst your coworkers you've worked with for years who love you and can lovingly be like, what are you doing? Good point. A hundred percent. Yes. But do I want my brand to be guy with mustache and hockey hair and wears a hat all the time in Birkenstocks? Currently, oof, yes, I've made that oof. decision. Yeah, today, yes. But when you say yeah. it like that, it's it's worthy of giving us pause, right? Like, it's a good yeah. question to ask yourself, even though I think if the answer turns out to be yes, totally acceptable. Exactly. I sort of launched into this without intent. And here we are now. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. I mean, to that point, you know, before we got on to the recording, I was like, is this going to be on video? video? <laughs> because I should probably maybe think about that. How I'm presenting myself, but clearly not. You are the CEO of a tech company, my friend. So I feel that this is the Luke. This is your look. This is the Luke? What is it? Yeah, oh, the, the Luke. Luke. Okay, got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess this is it. But nobody knew about the Birkenstock, so that's the grand and now reveal they do. Of this wow. podcast. Yeah. Okay. Scoop. Scoop, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know something? I bought my first uh -huh. pair of Birkenstocks this year. Really? See, it's a trend. The cool people are, are doing it. I think a shift has occurred, honestly, because you couldn't have caught me dead in a pair of Birkenstocks. And I lived in San Francisco, the Bay Area, which is the Birkenstock capital of the United States, except maybe Santa Barbara, for four right. years. And I was appalled by Birkenstocks. Our shared dear friend, Mara, one of my best friends on the planet, would do <laughs> yeah. something that she affectionately calls socks with stocks, which is oh, to yeah. knowingly and in a non-emergency situation, wear socks with your Birkenstocks, which I'll tell you right now, I've done it. You've done that? Oh I've my god. I've done that. Only to like walk from where I'm staying to go get a coffee. Fair enough. 
I actually think socks with Birkenstocks may be more, in my mind, fashionable and acceptable. I think you're right. There's a little bit more discretion. The foot is covered. The foot covering is a nice perk. And it also is clear that you're not trying to, you know, look cool. <laughs> you're trying exactly. to be comfortable. See, that is something I like about wearing socks with stocks. Mara really had this right all along, I think. And they're so comfortable. We've all come to learn that Mara's had it right for a very long time. I know. I've never once been like, oh, Mara's doing that? I wonder if that's a good idea. <laughs> that was one thing at Patreon. I knew that we were not working at a normal company when there yeah. were multiple people on a given day wearing Birkenstocks with no socks that were just walking around the office. And you're like, okay, in prior worlds, that would have been really pushing the envelope. And yep. at Patreon, that was just a normal day. A, a, a normal Tuesday. day. I'm so glad I know this about you because it's not that I've been ashamed of my new appreciation for Birkenstocks, but I haven't talked to a lot of other people that made a similar transition. So I'm happy to hear that we're on the same team here. Yeah, it's definitely a, a pandemic transition. Are they cloth? They're suede. Yeah, they're the, the light suede. It's so nice that Maddie loves you that much. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh... This is the quality content that people come for. <laughs> Bremner, I swear to God it is. <laughs> Trust me. So if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? Two things. One of my ultimate aspirations is to go back to being a camp counselor. <gasps> when were you a camp counselor? I was a camp counselor from when I was 14 to when I was 19, actually. So for a number of summers. And I was a believe it or not, a camp counselor at a Boy Scout camp on oh, Catalina so Island. so hard to believe. I just can't. <laughs> you have the most camp counselor energy of anyone I've ever met, and that includes my best friend, Sarah, who I thought had the most camp counselor energy of anyone I've ever met. Both of you. I can't, I don't know if I can ever have you two in a room together. Yeah, we'd get everybody into circles. A color war would break out. We'd have two competing exactly. camp counselors. And then it would break and it'd be ultimate Frisbee for an hour. 100%, but followed by s'mores, hopefully, which we would love oh, to see. 100%. Ended with a nice campfire and some sketches. Yeah. That would be my part. That would be my contribution. That sounds like a great day. Maybe I should get you and Sarah together and we could all hang yeah. out. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a camp counselor weekend. That was a, a really fun time in my life. And I think that that it sort of is, encapsulates what I love about a career is the ability mm. to bring people together and have the opportunity to create new and unique experiences through collective energy. That was great. Is that, are you writing that down? Should I have written that down? <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> you should tweet that. <laughs> yeah. When we launch the podcast, I'll, I'll tweet that. Please tweet some thought leadership around non-technical. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. I think that is a yeah. big part of it. And I think that that is something that camp counseling and working in management at a young company has in common. Right. One of the things when I was a camp counselor that the head of the camp talked to me at the very end of the year, and I had been managing this beach that was away from the camp that everybody mm -hmm. would take these war canoes. So they were the hu huge canoes that 15 people could fit in. And I would teach them how to cook meals over an open flame. And then we would make like peach cobbler and Dutch ovens. And Yum. it was delightful, but did that for an entire summer. And um, the head of the camp at the end, we were having sort of our performance review. And he was like, how do you think you did? And I mm. said, well, I think I did a great job. I ran the program really efficiently. I directed mm. the team, you know, nobody got hurt, all of this stuff. And he goes, no, I, I was actually asking how you led the program. How did you lead? Oh. I repeated back. I was like, well, yeah. you know, the program went off without a hitch. I directed the team. He's like, I'm not talking to you about how you managed. I'm talking to you about how you led. That has obviously stuck with me for a very long time because wow. his point was that leadership is all about how you change a situation based on your 
vision and your inclusion in that scenario rather than somebody who just adopts something and carries it forward. It was kind of poignant. That is poignant. Also, as somebody who was managed by you for literally several years, I think you do that very, very well. Not that we're talking about work. (laughs) No, no, I'm not trying to talk about work. I'm more talking about why camp counseling meant so much to me. Oh, that's really sweet. The other career that I would love to go down if I wasn't in my current position is a running coach. A running coach. You know, I could be a runner, but I don't want to be uh-huh. the runner or the person out there on the stage. I much prefer being the coach and seeing somebody else succeed. What is it that you like about that? I don't personally like being the center of attention, despite what many people <laughs> might think about me. Well, there's only one occasion when I could understand why people would think that. And that would be oh God, actually, no. I guess two occasions. <laughs> <laughs> and it okay, would be yeah. the two different times where I've watched sing karaoke in front of our whole company to Bohemian Rhapsody. Whole song. Whole song. Totally. Both times. Well, and that was pure cringe. Not cringy at all. Do you know how grateful I am to have been there for that and then also to have photo and video of the situation? (laughs) Well, (laughs) all right. I'm glad that there's video, but so, okay, set the scene. (laughs) We we have the talent show at Patreon, which you know, it's the end of year holiday party. It's a ton of excitement about everybody's performance. First year, I had no clue what that meant because I hadn't been there the prior year. turns out that obviously everybody at Patreon is a creator, artist, musician. Like wildly talented. Astronomical talent. Multiple people who have even like very high level positions at that company are just excellent musicians and talents. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, CFO is a jazz drumist like yeah. i've never he seen he and i did a duet life. was that the yeah. year you did that was the year of the karaoke i can't recall it totally yes it definitely was yes and that so, was the year that our cfo and another good friend carlos and i do did a duet everybody kicks off and you, i'm already signed up for my performance thinking that it's just a goofy talent show and we've got somebody singing jolene and absolutely oh nailing God, every single note i mean get chills now about right. that performance you know, obviously we have your, your duet. Oh yes. Star of the show, baby. <laughs> yeah. But you know, there's like six performances and right. every single one is a hit. And I know that I'm going to come on after that. People didn't really know what to expect. And I come out and I'm wearing full Freddie Mercury vibes yep, yep. with a feather boa and belting out Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, Not indeed. well. I don't have a voice. But with a lot of spirit. A lot of spirit. It was more of a, an interpretive dance, I would say. But it was memorable. I remember. That's the thing about Cinchy. When you get yourself over your skis, you do memorable. Yep. <laughs> memorable you got to commit. So. You have to commit to the bit is something that I like to say. And other exactly. people, I'm sure, like to say about comedy, too. <laughs> got to commit yeah. to the bit. Got to commit to the bit. Once you're in the bit, the bit is happening. There is no way out. So you got to commit to the bit. I think that's why I have notably never attended any of your live performances. Yes, that is correct. Yes, you. (laughs) There's just certain people in my life, without even asking them, I can feel they have a strong inclination towards secondhand embarrassment for certain types of performers. And I knew with you and I knew with Keely, who sat across from me, I was just like, these are two people who I will probably never see in the audience. (laughs) 
relatable. And when you said that, I think Keely and I were at our desks and we both looked at each other like, yeah, never. Yeah, <laughs> never literally never, which is a hundred percent fine. I'm so oh. honored that you even watched the videos. Did you watch them like from a distance with the sound off or something just in case it was actually, they were tragic? No, I think it's way easier to consume the content in a social media fashion Safe versus space. in the room. Yeah, you can always turn it off. But not only that, but you're not looking around the room to see what everybody else's reaction is. Is that where part of the secondhand embarrassment comes from? Totally. You want to make sure, especially if it's somebody that close yeah. with, that they are successful and that they, you know, hit the bit, not just yeah. stick with the bit, they hit the bit and you're in it with them. Like from my perspective, that's how I feel when mm. I'm in like a comedy show or something like that, that yeah. I can imagine myself on stage. And if it doesn't land, that would just kill me. And, and I don't want that for that other person. It really doesn't kill me at all. I if know, you ever do come see me, just know that I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> but well, you know what is interesting? You talk about coaching and leadership. And I would argue, well, I would guess, and I do feel like I know from personal experience that professionally you advocate for people to take big swings and take yeah. big risks and leave. You seem to be okay watching them have the potential for failure in that scenario. But then yeah. when there's a microphone and you're on stage, it's a different story. Well, I think that there's more known risk in those situations. It's like, mm. okay, yeah, we might, again, be getting over our skis with this, but the ultimate outcome is going to be net positive. That's the first thing. And then secondly, to me, it seems like less of a reflection on the individual. It's more a reflection on ah, the situation. That's so interesting. Whereas the public performance feels more about a reflection on the individual, even okay. though it shouldn't. Maybe. That makes sense. I look forward to seeing you at one show, one day. Have you gotten back? Yes, I went back on stage for the very first time a few weeks ago on a rooftop in deep Bushwick at cool. 1130 at night. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect because I wanted something really low stakes. Nice. Well, speaking of music and performance, is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time? That's actually very relevant right now because I've started going back to various different albums that I liked when I was really? in high school. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of a nostalgia for some reason that's coming out recently. But the two that I've been playing on repeat are Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? They do take me back to moments with my friends or mm. uh, out in nature, but specifically you know, out on the water in California. Yeah. I didn't know why. And I found myself like just falling down into Spotify rabbit holes of going down old rock. Not, you know, that's not even old rock, but rock that I loved when I was yeah. in high school. Do you know why now? You know, I think that there's decent amount of change that's happened over the past year for everybody. Yeah. But for Maddie and me, there's been a lot of change. Like we, we were thinking we were going to move to Berlin and then the pandemic happened. And then I was still working at Patreon when everything started and he decided to leave Patreon. Maddie left Uber. We both quit our jobs, went on the road right. for four months, traveled to national parks, moved cities, changed careers, trying to figure out where we end up next. So yeah, there's just like a lot of upheaval. And so I feel like there's like a desire to have some mm. connection to former self. Yes, totally. So that's my diagnosis of why this is happening. Yeah. It's also not bad. It's like I get to no. listen to it. Smells Like Teen Spirit again. <laughs> Which Chili Peppers album is the one? I've been listening a lot to Californication. Oh, God, what an yeah. album. Yeah. I went through a big Red Hot Chili Peppers phase back when CDs were still a thing. For Christmas, I asked for four Red Hot Chili Peppers CDs. That's awesome. And then when the iPod video came out, the first video they put on it was Danny California off of Stadium yeah. Arcadium. 
And I thought that was the coolest music video I'd ever seen to date. I remember that. I mean, that was like the metaverse 1.0. Uh, oh, Metaverse. Yes. The first, me- second mention of Metaverse on the pod, on this show. I mean, on this podcast. I'm glad that I was the second. I hate that I was even one of the two, but. Uh, no, but I mean, I can't believe it hasn't been more. <laughs> speaking of the Metaverse, your Love birthday it. last year when we did the virtual meetup. On Gather. Gather. That was super, to me, very novel. But yeah, now it seems like it was, of course, that that existed when that uh, popped up. It recreated social anxiety in a way that I had never experienced. You are not the the only person to tell me that, which I think is so funny because the platform basically just enabled video chats like Zoom, except that you as an individual would walk up to other avatars like you're playing a 16-bit, 8-bit video game, and then you could like leave and start video chats. So it did recreate sort of like, who are you talking to? But what I liked about it is that I didn't want everyone to have to sit around in a Zoom. It was way better than sitting around in a Zoom, but I think I knew like three people at the party, and I think there were about 30 or 40 people on gather. I found myself like trying to walk away from groups where I didn't know, but they, you know, everybody's trying to like meet people. So there was like this, like, I don't know, chase going on around gather. So funny. Yes. I really loved that. I thought that was lots of fun. How does it feel when you listen to some of these chili pepper songs? The, the specific moment it brings me back to is uh, back to the camp counselor vibes where we worked on the waterfront and taught people how to sail and just like lived on the beach for mm four months and we had a bunch of red hot cds and every single one of them got scratched immediately because we were on a beach but you just had to like push through it was like we gotta you know deal with the skipping did you have any tips for getting scratches out of cds no i i was not like a huge cd aficionado really yeah there were people who were much better at the management of the cd player that wasn't your role no it wasn't my role my role was participating you know yeah, again vibes. I, I wanted somebody else to be on the stage chief vibes officer exactly Bremer exactly. morris yeah but it takes me back to that and it also takes me back to like warm summer nights oh uh, yeah warm summer nights in the bay no way well this was down in uh like southern california out on oh, Catalina oh, island oh. yes yeah oh of course when you were camp counseling Yes. I know warm summer nights are so special. There are songs that take me back to that too, growing up in Connecticut. What 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 album takes you back to that? You know what it is? Any song mm-hmm. off of this one CD my best friend Romy made for me that lived in my mm-hmm. car. Obviously, aux chords were a thing, but it was just so much easier to kind of just throw the CD and whatever. And she had great taste in music. And I don't even know a lot of the song names or the artist names, but when I hear one of them by chance now, I'm instantly transported to getting ready, driving my car over to whoever's house, hanging out in their backyard or whatever it is. So anything off of that album, the Romy (laughs) mixtape. Totally. My, my sister made me a mixtape. It was a CD. I held onto it through two different cars because it was like the iconic thing you put in and listen to the Leah mixtape. Oh, cute. Okay. Bremner, I must ask you a question. Do you (laughs) believe in ghosts? Do I believe in ghosts? Actually, yes. And I feel like I have seen a ghost at one <gasps> point in time. What? When? A few years ago, we went to a wedding in Minnesota. The whole group of friends got an Airbnb at this old house on Summit Avenue, which is a beautiful street with old Victorians in, in awesome. the Twin Cities. And we found out that the house that we were staying in, there had been a murder in the house. <gasps> when? At some point in time. Like 
probably five to 10 years before we... Oh, so um, not ancient history. No, not ancient history. And Maddie and I stayed in the... It was not the attic, but it was in the top floor and it was connected to the attic. There was a bedroom there. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and there was just like an aura and a feeling in the room. What? Yeah, it was three in the morning and I just was like wide awake. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) And then I looked over into the corner and there Mm -hmm. was like sort of a a light. (gasps) What color was the light? Was it bright or soft? No, it was soft. It was super soft. It was like a moment of maybe it's not a ghost, but there's some other Mm -hmm. presence here and there's some other weight in this house. I felt it for like the next two days that we were at, at this Airbnb. It was pretty freaky. Did the feeling go away after you left the property? Yeah. Yeah. When we were out and when we went to the wedding, I wasn't thinking about it, but going back into the property, I was like, I mean, it wasn't like a malevolent spirit. It was just somebody who was there. When you woke up feeling that, was it instinctively, oh, this is like a presence of a spirit of some kind? Or at first, were you like, what is this feeling? Yeah. It was like, what is this feeling? Why did I just like wake up? The rational side of the brain says, oh, well, you had to already like pre-programmed your brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were primed. But I would actually like to believe that that was the, you know, that there was. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to think that there is um, like a spirit that lives on and that maybe it it takes the form of staying on earth or maybe it doesn't. Wow. That is absolutely fascinating. I have never heard that story before. I had no idea. It's not like in the the front of my brain. It's not like something that I think about often, but when people ask me, have you seen a ghost (laughs) or do you believe in ghosts? That's the one reference that I can come up with. So Bram, what's the most memorable gift you've ever received or given? (laughs) I want to say the Birkenstocks. Is Um, it the stocks? (laughs) Yeah. I think the most meaningful gift I've ever received was a letter from Maddie. Oh my God. It's not a, a physical gift, but it is. it was a gift of love and and also like a lot of thought into things that she thought I should know about myself. Wow. That is so cute. That is beautiful. Gosh, Maddie is really the best. (laughs) She is the best. Seriously, great work all around on both of your parts. You really deserve each other. You guys are both so (laughs) special. Bremner, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Whether you're looking to hire the best go-to-market talent or looking for your next opportunity, Bets can help. Okay, friends, I'm bringing you what I think may be the one and only time I allow myself to use a phrase like this on the podcast. Here we go. Let's talk about the future of work. I'm not telling you anything you don't know when I say the future of work is kind of happening right now. Companies all over are figuring out whether they want folks in the office or out of the office or kind of in the office or pods or whatever. You may be having those conversations at your company and you may or may not like what's being decided. Either way, the good news is you can join the Bets Recruiting Network to find a company that's totally aligned with what you're looking for from your work setup. Whether that's being in office, best buds with your deskmate, or literally never finding out how tall your coworker is. Learn more about finding your next role or hiring top talent at betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Bremner Morris, the CEO at Rally. Bremner, do you know what time it is in this episode? I don't know what time it is in this episode. Uh, I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) How could you? We have arrived at the lightning round. Oh, the lightning round. Oh gosh. This is stressful. No, you can do it. Okay. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Almond flat white. Oh, yes. Ooh, we love the specificity. Also, what an order. I have an almond (laughs) flat white. Oh, who's he? You know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do you have a favorite board game? 
favorite board game uh got really deep into pandemic during the pandemic are you um, one of those people i can't believe totally. that i can't believe it i'm blanking on the name right now but there is also a multi-month game of pandemic that we started down what? a path on and it was too much i mean we read the rule book and it took three hours one night but I anyways can't. yeah yeah. So pandemic is, is the current, but risk was the former. Okay. Which similar in nature in some ways. Totally. Right? Okay. Wow. That's absolutely fascinating. I did not know that about you. And now I do. When you make the bed, do you use a top sheet or no top sheet? I prefer to not use a top sheet. Maddie prefers a top sheet. So we use a Uh-oh. top sheet. So we use a top <laughs> sheet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever read a book twice? Definitely. Which book? Many books. I hmm. prefer to read books multiple times. I like routine. So yeah, no, I've, I've read many books, many times. The one that I've probably read the most is this book called once a runner, which is about a runner through his career and then sort of grappling with the end of his career. But then the book that I listen to near endlessly is every single one of the Harry Potter books. Really? Anytime that I need to focus, like if I'm in a focus moment, yeah. I throw on Harry Potter to go to sleep. I often, if I can't fall asleep, yes. I'll throw on Harry Potter. Any particular book or do you cycle through them? I cycle through them. The one that I never really bring back up is Chamber of Secrets. Are you serious? Yeah. That's I mean, a it's a good book. I think it's the most eerie. Of course, because they're describing the underground tunnels and there's a lot of... Exactly. So that one usually doesn't make the rotation that okay. often. I'm definitely a multiple reads of a book. Type what of house are you? Uh, well, <laughs> I would prefer to be Gryffindor, obviously. Of course. I think Maddie has framed that I'm a Huffle Griff, um, more of a Hufflepuff. I would have gone straight Gryffindor. I would defer to Maddie, but I would say straight Gryffindor for you. I appreciate that. I think um, the huffle is the sort of goofiness. I get that. Which house do you think I would be in? It's either Ravenclaw or Slytherin. <gasps> or Slytherin? For real? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, but it's a hilarious answer from someone that hired me, worked next to me for <laughs> two years, and then is also friends with me in real life. Oh my God. Definitely Ravenclaw to lead, mm-hmm. but there's there's a little bit of Slytherin, um, yeah. I'd say. It never killed anybody. Well, actually it killed a lot of people. But anyway, okay, tell me this. Do you have a pump up song? Pump up song right now is Smells Like Teen Spirit. Is it really? Love that. Yeah. And then often it can be Bohemian Rhapsody, hence the uh, <gasps> performances at the holiday parties. I mean, it used to be Tupac a lot in high school. Oh yeah? Yeah. Right now it's Smells Like Teen Spirit again. Although... Bo Burnham has been getting a little bit of play for Pump Up recently. Nice. Yeah. And Bram, my final, final question for you is what would you title your memoir? Should it be a positive title or should it be a self-deprecating title? <laughs> what feels more right? It's self-deprecating, your memoir. obviously. Yeah. My, my memoir, <laughs> The Guy Who Tried Too Hard. <laughs> the Guy Who Tried Too Hard. <laughs> yeah. Trying Too Hard. Trying Too Hard could be good. Yeah. What was the thing you said earlier? Cinchy. Cinchy or over my skis? Actually, I like over my skis. I like that a lot. Over my skis is better than trying too hard. The thing is about trying too hard is that I think that it's actually, it's a misinterpreted quality in a person. Right. It's a towering strength that can also be a towering weakness. But if you learn how to use it, it's a superpower. Definitely. Yeah. That's a good way of framing it. Over my skis. Okay, I love that. Bremner Morris, thank you so much for joining me on Non-Technical. Thanks, Alexis. This was super fun. Uh, I know. This was such a treat. Oh, please. It was absolutely my pleasure. Good catching up with you and having it recorded.
<laughs> yes, I know for posterity. So where for can people posterity. find more about you online? You can find me on LinkedIn. And then also I just recently relaunched my Twitter. Woo! Yes. At Brem Morris, two M's in the middle. So B-R-E-M-M-O-R-R-I-S. I'm just crested the hundred followers on Twitter. Congratulations. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is a big deal. <laughs> Expect tens of thousands of uh, yes. followers. Or tens oh, of absolutely. To my legions of 1 million listeners, everybody go follow at Brem Morris right now. I can't yeah. wait. Get, Brem, get ready. Get ready for the spike. Oh my gosh. A lot of weird references to crypto and creative communities on my uh, Twitter these days. I hear that people like to talk about that on Twitter. So I actually think that you're in the right place. And speaking totally. of Twitter, you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at Non Technical Pod on Twitter. One more time, Brem, seriously, you're amazing. And this was amazing. And what an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alexis. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Bye. Bye.